0: Scottish Mortgage seeks out lateral thinkers like academics, authors and experts in the industry to shape our investment ideas, not the usual suspects and narrow mindset of financial analysts and investment industry commentators. That way, we continue to build a portfolio that reflects real-world progress, not financial world noise. Scottish Mortgage is managed by Bailey Gifford. A key information document is available by visiting baileygifford.com. As with any investment, capital is at risk. Hello, welcome
1: to the CityWire Funds Fanatic podcast. My name is Gavin Lumsden. And then for my first interview in 2023, I'm welcoming back Marcus Fairmudge, manager of TR Property Investment Trust. Marcus, good to see you again. Um, How are you? It's a difficult time to be investing in commercial property, I think.
2: Gavin, good morning. And thank you very much for for having me on the program. Um, yeah, we, we had a, uh, to be blunt, an annus horribilis in 2022. Um, Pan-European real estate equities were the worst performing uh, GIC sector uh, falling. When you um, say GIC, global uh, investment company, yes, I'm yeah, guessing. Yes, yeah, yeah. GIC, GIC classification. So, uh, yeah, property equities as a, as a you yeah, know, versus tech or financials or hardware or whatever. Because so- you're
1: the only fund listed on the London Stock Exchange that invests in other real estate investment trusts in the UK and Europe.
2: Yes, yes, we are. And um, I know, you know, what I just said sounded like I'm sort of being sort of boisterously really optimistic, but I think it, the, the point I'm making is that having had a very difficult... Uh, 2022, we've started to see a real resurgence in in share prices that's sort of kicked off in the uh, the second or sort of first and second week of December and has very much continued. Um, and there's all sorts of you know, good reasons for that.
1: Well, I was going to ask you about that, but before we, you know, get into that, I do, do want to look forward and and be as positive as possible. But just to recap, you know, it was a, a your half year results in December underlined what a difficult year you just said 2022 was. Um, asset value dropped about a third, so. You know, there was what was going on. It was all to do with rising interest rates, or was it res- recession fears as well?
2: Yeah, so it's it's, I mean, essentially, it was all about the cost of money. Um, the property is a is a levered asset class. Um, and investors took fright with the fact that uh, your you know, cost of debt is rising no different to you are you, coming off your, your fixed rate mortgage. Um, and of course, that, that, that impacts your, um, your, your net income uh, quite severely. I think the, 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 the bit that a lot of the investment community are, are, are really coming to terms with now is the fact that an awful lot of our property companies um, are themselves uh, quite protected, i.e. they have fixed or capped. Uh, rather than floating rate debt and sort of in the middle of, of 2022, we, we really dusted off the 2008 playbook where we look back at um, focused on the liability side of the balance sheet rather than the assets, because we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but the uh, um, uh, underlying um, return from the assets has been you know, really, really quite robust. But what what the market was very worried about was this rise in the cost of debt um, and that is what we focused on but it's more nuanced than that because um, actually you've got to look at where your sources of debt come from is your lending from a bank or have you been accessing the bond market and remember that we raised you know through the last decade uh, of, of, of QE um, uh, property companies and many other companies have been able to raise vast amounts of, of, of debt at very very low cost um, and you know that we are very much focused on companies that still have that legacy of long long-dated debt. And that's a very important focus.
1: So us. last year was difficult because that those borrowing costs went from near zero to... Um you know, it three, was three four percent.
2: Yes, and, and if you were if you were uh, had a lot of short dated debt, then that's exactly what happened. But if you had uh, a lot of long dated fixed debt, then you haven't uh, experienced that um, that collapse in uh, in your in your bottom and your net income. And I think that's a point that I think a lot of investors ha- have missed. And the sector certainly gathered a bit of momentum on the way down. And then I think investors have begun to realize that it really has been quite oversold.
1: Yes, yeah, so as you say, I mean there has been a bit of a rebound in the past uh, few months i think your um net asset value is up 12% the shares are up 18% uh, i think i saw uh yesterday so are we are we past the worst and are you know have have all the have the property companies you know fixed their debt those that
2: need to yeah it's very interesting and we probably have to just step one step back, which is we are in a very unusual uh, market conditions where essentially yields are rising because the cost of money is rising, which means that capital values are falling. Yet at the same time, we're still seeing rents rising because the underlying um, real estate fundamentals are still strong. In fact, Tri Tax Big Box announced their results this morning second half, 20% drop in capital values, but their rental value actually went up by 9%. So there's a cl- and they're obviously own uh, high quality logistics. Uh, so it's curious. Is, is it a
1: case then that's kind of the sector's been sold off on a top-down basis because of kind of macroeconomic concerns about you know interest rates and the impact that has on borrowing costs, rather than but the actual the kind of bottom-up view from um, demand for properties,
2: tenant demand, and, and the rents is all is more positive. Absolutely, you're, you're you're spot on, and of course, therefore, the next the to answer your your original question, um, essentially, is what's going. You know, if if the thing that's pushing values down is the cost of money, where do we think rates are going? And I think the analogy I would use is, is six months ago, the, the outlook was extremely foggy. No one really knew. Now, the fog has lifted and to take a skiing analogy, the slope is still looking pretty nasty mm. uh, and it's got a lot of moguls on it, um, but we haven't got that nasty flat light where you can't actually see where you're going. So essentially, we, we think when you look at the curve uh, on the five or 10 year, uh, swaps. Um, you can see some sort of stability. Now, I don't think we are at peak rate. We, we think the peak rates um, will occur somewhere in the second half. Obviously, inflation is is, is going to come down. We can look at the, the cost of gas futures, uh, et cetera, and also the base effect. Um, so we, we are reasonably confident that the banks will start to um, uh, lend again. Um, margins will be wide and things will be difficult. But if you've got the right real estate, in the right markets, then I think you're going to find banks and other and other lenders um will be supportive. However, there is still, uh, you know, a lot of secondary and tertiary assets or short income property, which will which will um, suffer. Um, but we, we've when we tried very hard to make sure that we're not exposed to those to, to those, particularly when we come on to, um, to, to brown buildings in offices or something like that.
1: So there's some, um, yeah, there's, so there's a lot of uncertainty around. And that, I suppose that explains why you know, UK uh, real estate investment trusts, REITs, um, their share prices are still on, many of their share prices are still quite wide discounts you know 20 to 30% discounts below asset value are not uncommon uncommon
2: yes absolutely and in fact when we look at Europe Pan Europe, that figure of, of sort of 27% is about where we are at, at the moment. Of course, that discount means that um, when you look at the earnings and the dividend yields of these companies, you know, they really are quite substantial. Um, I mean, when we, if you just assume the last full year's dividend for TR property, uh, based off our current share price, because we're trading ourselves at a, at a nine discount, um, our, our dividend yield is 4.5%. This is, you know, higher than it's which been is high from, for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's been higher. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's reflects the fact that so many of our uh, of our underlying um, companies, uh, their share prices are trading on these big discounts. So uh, but just on these, these discounts, that does that mean the stock market is
1: anticipating further falls in the valuations of the properties they own?
2: Yes, uh, absolutely. That's exactly what the, the stock market is, is predicting. And um, it tends to follow until it can see um, uh, at least indications of a bottoming in the market. And it tends to be around, the stock market tends to be around six months ahead of the physical market. And we know that NAVs are still falling because the valuation community you know, ha- are, ha- are always looking backwards. They're trying very hard to be up with current events. And I think these that the corrections that we've seen in underlying values um, uh, in 2020, particularly in Deck 22, uh, are, and particularly in the UK, um, are, are very are indicative of how much quicker the valuation community is getting up to up with events. But yes, the stock market is predicting further falls. We are predicting potentially uh, further falls in some sectors, but we're also starting to see some um, stability. And I would highlight uh, that in uh, multi-let industrial and the logistics space. As areas where we're starting to see buyer demand in the last month or so, the last few weeks, there have been a number of deals done and we're starting to see that open up.
1: So industrials and and warehouses were a really hot area of um, commercial property until last summer. And then interest rate fears, um, they got very expensive and the yields were quite low. And so they've suffered as uh, interest rates and government bond yields have gone up.
2: That's exactly it. In a way, the, the, the darlings of the market in uh, sort of 2020, 21 and into 22, uh, where yields had come down dramatically because people were expecting and, or, or experiencing strong rental growth, um, th- those yields got too low. So and I would highlight not only the, the industrial market and the logistics you've highlighted, but also something like German or Nordic residential where again, you've got a very secure income stream, um, you're picking up an element of indexation, uh, rents are sub market, um, and yields were driven down, you know, down to sort of 3%. Uh, uh, yeah, if if money's going to cost you five, you can't.
1: And if government uh, bonds are yielding over 3%, then something property, which is riskier than a government bond on the whole,
2: absolutely. it's got to yield more. And if you look at... Uh,
1: and the know, price therefore comes down.
2: Absolutely, and the correlation between, uh, particularly for these large German residential businesses, uh, and the ten-year bund is incredibly high. Um, and of course, that's you know, we need to see that turn um, for for those stocks to become attractive again. I mean, just going
1: back to these uh, to wide discounts, um, you know, we're just in the UK. We're just starting to get the kind of fourth-quarter uh, NAVs, net asset values, from from uh, from the REITs. Um, will do we need to get another quarter's worth of sort of data you know, in the first quarter? When do you think the we'll have enough information, or investors will have enough information to be more comfortable, to be reassured?
2: Yeah, I think the, the, those. Uh, I think what will happen is you're you're going to see so and you are seeing these dramatic figures uh, reflecting um, either the the last quarter of twenty two or the last half, depending on uh, who's reporting. And I think when we get to the end of the first quarter. Um, two things will happen we will We will see a slowdown in the pace of fall, uh, for want of a better expression. Um, but more importantly, I think you'll see you know more positive statements on trading outlooks i. e investors will start to become reassured that the pace of correction of negative correction is slowing. Or may, in some cases, uh, have stopped. But really, crucially, from where I'm sitting, it's you know what's happening to that net income from these companies. You know, are they able to keep renewing leases? Um, are they able to, to 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 make improvements to buildings um, and let them a new uh, a new rents? Uh, and and how much? And ultimately. Uh, how much tenant failure have we had uh, as we go into what will hopefully be a relatively mild recession
1: right exactly so it's it 's the kind of depth of the recession is key if its a, if it 's a bad one then more businesses will We'll go out of business more tenant failures
2: absolutely and our and the, the evidence going back from from the last sort of 30 40 50 years is that if a recession is mild um, you see almost no uh, failed, tenant failure relative to to the overall uh, your overall income group and quite simply that's because we can all make less profit in our business um, but the last thing we'll give up is actually our premises if, if we want to maintain being a going concern if the recession is hard and we literally uh, our businesses go go to the wall there's not there's nothing anyone can do about that but you you know your you will make your most corporates will make a lot less money before they actually start to give back um uh, give back the premises that they're occupying
1: okay so we've been talking about uh, you know borrowing and 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 the fact that uh, yeah the finance problems that uh, some companies have had uh, so bond markets have been shut banks are still there i guess um but uh, in terms of the, the TR Property's uh, own borrowing—it's it's gearing. Um, the fact sheet shows you're geared at 14%. Uh, were at the end of, end of the year—is that a sign of your sort of confidence? Because that seems quite quite a highish level. Or does it reflect the asset falls that happened last year, and just simply the debt the proportion of debt has gone up?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, and the answer is it's it's really a bit of both. Um, the, the first point to always remember is that TR Property does have some physical. Uh, uh, real estate today it's about seven and a half percent. We own three assets: a great industrial estate in uh, in Wandsworth, um, a, a mixed use building which is which is mostly a Waitrose supermarket uh, in Bayswater, and an industrial estate uh, out in Gloucester. Uh, which, by the way, is doing, you know, all, all these assets are, are, are doing well. trades, we actually have indexation on the, on the income as well. Um, and so when you, if you sort of ignore uh, that element, for me to be geared into the equity market, I would need to have at least 7% uh, of, of gearing. As you say, it's 14, and it reflects the fact that I, I am optimistic um, about, you know, given where share prices are, are, are today. Uh, in terms of our maximum gearing, uh, that's about 20%. And the maximum cash, I my most pessimistic, as, which was Q3 2008 uh, before Lehman's, um, we were 20% cash. So if you look at my you know, my my spread uh, from 20 cash to 20 gearing, you're much more ab- on the positive side. Absolutely, sounds- and, I think, and I think that's uh, yeah, that's that's the key point. Okay,
1: I mean, uh, looking at some of the sectors in a bit more detail, offices. I mean, given the kind of um, finance problems, borrowing problems you've been highlighting, are, are there any new developments being built?
2: It's a great question, and the answer is, uh, we will have quite a lot of completions um, in 23, but then it drops off quite quickly after that. And it, but relative to long-term cycles, um, we, you know one of the great, dare I say it, benefits of the global financial crisis was that the, you know, developers found it very hard to borrow money post the GFC. And if you look at um, uh, the, the, the big, the tower blocks built uh, in here in London, you look at the, the walkie-talkie or the shard or the cheese grater, n- none of these really involved bank finance. It was mainly, mainly um, global sovereign wealth capital or well-funded property companies like Landsec and British Land. And as a result, actually, when you look collectively, we've got you know, Very little development going on at the moment. If you want 100,000 square feet of brand new, um, high quality ESG friendly green buildings, um, energy efficient uh, in the West End today, you've got a choice of one. I mean, they're really, they're, they're, there's very little new space coming on. However, the market is heavily bifurcated between best in class and lots of secondary buildings that require improvement. And one of the consequences of, of COVID and the working from home is that many employees uh, have a choice. Uh, you know, do they stay at home or do they slog into the office? And if they slog into the office, is that a nice working environment? Is that somewhere that they want to be? And, and companies, that, that sort of um, uh, s- sentiment shift has, uh, is now running into a general demand by all companies to improve uh, their green credentials. Um, they want they want efficient buildings. Um, they want buildings which which have light uh, at space um and so in some respects we don't expect a, a dramatic reduction in the amount of space being occupied in Lon- in london for example
1: even though you've said in the past oh actually in the in the half year results that london is a less attractive city to commute to and work in compared to you know, some European cities. Yeah,
2: absolutely. If you were to take all European cities, who has suffered the most from the working from home? It is London and Paris. And quite simply, the longer your commute, there's a direct relationship, the longer your commute, the less likely you are, or particularly if it's on public transport, the less likely you are to want to come to work. When we look at smaller cities across Europe, so we look at Gothenburg, Stockholm, Milan, Madrid, um, Berlin, we find an almost 100% return to office. What's so interesting is people want to interact with each other. Yes, they might have a day at work working from home. But what we find in London is we are getting that return. However, the other the most important thing that's happening in the UK, uh, sorry, in London and Paris to an extent, particularly in the CBD, is we are reducing the density of work. So when you and I started work in the 90s, we were really at about one hundred and twenty square foot per per desk, as it were it, that got all the way down to eighty, partly because we had flat screen uh, screens rather than big fat sort of TVs monitors um air conditioning improvements et etc et cetera We're reversing that now, and we're heading back towards hundred uh, f- feet per desk so you're, you're, you you because you don't want to be all squashed squashed in now that doesn't mean that i'm a screaming bull of of London offices. What it means is that I think at the the best in class, which are being developed by the likes of Landsec, British Land, uh, Helico Bar, Great Portland, Do and London, those buildings are going to continue to attract record rents, and we've seen we've seen evidence of that. The problem comes in the older assets because not only do they need money being spent on them. Um, but we're, we've got new energy performance certification requirements, which means that we've got to reach a certain grade of energy efficiency by 2028 and 2030. And if you fall below that, you are not allowed to lease the building uh, to to. And so I think that's a, a big capex spend that's sort of barreling down the pipe for the sector as a whole but not necessarily impacting many listed companies.
1: I see. Okay, sounds like a catalyst for a lot of activity. Um, Actually, just uh, thinking about the the sector as a whole, as you were talking there, um, will we get more uh, mergers and acquisitions? Like last year, we saw LXI and Secure Income um, join together, join forces, Um, you know, and with the share prices being so uh, low and undervalued at the moment, is, is that Likely to create more mergers like that, or is it difficult to, for them to be done when the shares are so low?
2: Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So if we look back at uh, twenty twenty second half of twenty twenty one and and and, uh, and 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 well and early twenty two, we had a huge wave of of, uh, of activity. So the, it fell into two camps. One half was consolidation, uh, and the other was actually take private. Um, so we had a lot of companies today, and one of the reasons that TR property in, in the year to March 22, it's financially it beat the market by 900 basis points, was because we had quite a lot of small, smaller companies that were, were, were acquired, many by Blackstone, Brookfield, etc. On the consolidation side, you're absolutely right. The, the LXI secure income uh, merger was a, was a great example of where two very similar uh, businesses owning you know, long dated uh, income. Uh, were able to get together, um, and the the thing that pr- stops consolidation um, is ultimately invariably it's down to management and boards because you start with with two chief execs and two CFOs, and you finish with uh, with with one of each. So you've got four people dancing around two chairs. Um, now, essentially, you need people to step aside in that process. That's why these mergers are often uh, so hard to do. But they are absolutely the right thing to do because you do get efficiencies, economies of scale. And most importantly, um, you increase the liquidity in the shares, which is what everybody, uh, everybody, you know, it's the raison d'etre of having a listed property company that investors... And it's, and it's a broader of.
1: issue for the uh, investment company sector as a whole that I, uh, it'd I, be better to have fewer, bigger...
2: Trust Absolutely and we have a long investment. tail Gavin a long tail of small companies we 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 have you know we have dozens of these uh um uh, 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 smaller companies of which the great thing about TR property as a closed ended uh, investment trust we are able to invest in these businesses help them grow help them possibly uh to to merge with other businesses as well so to answer your question yeah i'm i'm hopeful that in, that in, there'll be a wave of of, of investor Collective activism um, to ensure that these companies come together. Now, one thing we, which which is very much a, a feature of the recent past, has been the consolidation in the wealth management communities. Um, you've seen, you know, the, the 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 Tilneys and the Smith and Williamsons, etc. And you've got these you know, these very large wealth I mean, the growth in a big business wealth like- managers need big trusts. Absolutely, and they are all holding lots of uh, legacies of relatively large percentages of these small companies, which really are rounding errors for them. So, to the the, the short, the long answer to your short question is: I'm hopeful, Um, but we will need uh, we will need boards and um, uh, uh, and chairmen and, and chairs to understand that the best thing for their company. Is to amalgamate with another one okay
1: right now you alluded to uh tr properties um, it's an investment company it's a it's closed end structure it has a permanent pool of capital so if people are buying or selling the shares you know it doesn't affect you it might affect the share price but uh, you've got that same pool of money to to invest in obviously there are many uh property funds that are open-ended and are subject to inflows and outflows and 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 uh, several have recently suspended themselves suspended trading because they can't sell properties quickly enough for those investors who want to take their money out. So this is not a new problem, obviously. But are sort of distressed sales by open-ended funds um, weighing on, still weighing on the sector?
2: Uh, I, we, we think not really. Um, quite simply, the open-ended daily dealing uh, property funds, which is clearly an oxymoronic statement because they're not not daily dealing when they're suspended. Um, that whole sector has continued to shrink. It, it, you know, we had them closing um, in 2008, we had them again closing in 16 around the referendum, and then again uh, you know, d- during COVID. Um, and we, you know, we really think that the investor community, whilst it, it, it desperately wants a product, wants to have access to real estate, uh, is realizing that the best way to do it is is through the is through REITs either basket, buying a, a basket of REITs uh, or a closed ended vehicle like mine or, or buying individual REITs themselves. So I, I think in terms of what is left, um, uh, I, I you know there are there are clearly um, sales going on, um, but I don't think it's actually a big enough part of the market to weigh that heavily. Okay. And um, going back to the subject of index linked
1: rents, you know, inflation linking is a really um, important topic. And it's clearly good for investors. But um, in relation to supermarket income, which we talked about last time it's a holding of yours. But um, in reference to it, I saw an analyst note a few months ago, referring to the fact that uh, that index linking can lead to over renting. Um, What does that mean?
2: Yeah, so essentially, um, and and across Europe, all leases are index linked to a greater or lesser extent. Uh, And in the UK, we have something similar, but we tend to have a cap. Uh, at about four percent, and a floor at maybe you know one or, or naught, um, for those businesses that do have that index-linked uh, nature. So as, essentially, where you get very high uh, inflation, um, you you are you will find as you do in in Sweden, for example, where you can capture a hundred percent of that indexation. All tenants are experiencing a ten percent increase in their in their rents this year. Now, that's. That's troubling because that's way ahead ahead of of market. That means that at the end of that the lease, you're going to get a correction, uh, if, if market rents haven't caught up. Where we think that inflation is going to return to a more, uh, or certainly more palatable than it is now, uh, level of of say three or four uh, percent, then yeah, you you are capturing that in your income, um, and on the face of it, you are moving. You know, if that is ahead of market rents, then you are you. know, basically building an over-rented situation in your lease. However, these leases are very long. Uh, I think supermarkets' average walt is about 12, uh, weighted average unexpired lease term walt uh, is about 12 years. And, and they will show you, and you can look on their website, look at their presentations, that actually, whilst you, you, you are, have that element of over-renting, you are getting that income. So you are compensated on the way. Yes, there may well be a correction at the end of the, of the, uh, of the lease, um, but also market rents may well have caught up. And you know, particularly in a sector like uh, food, uh, supermarkets, or particularly healthcare, we've got these very long, very strong uh, tenants be it Sainsbury-Tesco, the NHS, um, you know, we, we have, we're fully confident that the rents will, will be paid.
1: Um, so the, so the supermarket income is, you know, it's a, um, as you say, it's got long leases. These sort of long-dated funds, they were also sold off very heavily on, on the interest rate concerns. The interest rates going up, the longer your kind of lease, the longer your time horizon is, the more you seem to have been knocked by um, absolutely absolutely the fear important. of rising uh, borrowing costs. But um, is it the same situation or similar situation to a logistics, the underlying fundamentals are still good?
2: Absolutely. And in fact, um, when, when we think about uh, the way that we receive food when we buy online, um, it's through a network uh, of, uh, of, of the superstores. So you, you press your, 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 your click button on, uh, on Tesco's order um, and it will come to your local Tesco the night before and before it comes out to you in a van. Mm-hmm. Now, but that's only about half of the network. So you want to make sure that you only own those superstores uh, that are actually part of the online network. Um, I, I, but it is part of it. now? Therefore, my point being is this is all part of the vital infrastructure for these retailers. These retailers cannot function if they don't have these stores. The same way with the logistics operator. I mean, if you don't, you, know, you every, everything is. You heard about Amazon closing stores, uh, three three logistics buildings. Those were suboptimal. And they have really focused on their very large RDCs, their regional uh, uh, um, uh, distribution centers. So, you know, we are very much focused on, as are the companies we're invested in, on making sure that, that they own the assets which are crucial for the underlying businesses. And that's a really, really important point.
1: Okay. Um, speaking of retail, you've built a, a 16% stake in Edison property, which invests in uh, retail parks, retail warehouses, out-of-town uh, centers.
2: Um, yes i am I'm, I'm i've actually become an increasing fan of uh, of retail warehousing um essentially this is this is the edge of town uh, and out of town where big boxes where you you drive in and you can see you know you we we're, we're talking your b and qs your uh, your pets at home your icelands et cetera um, but we think that going forward, this is going to be a really crucial part uh, of omni-channel retailing. Um, and omnichannel channel means? Meaning, as in buying in the stores or buying via the web.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah. So essentially... Bricks and online.
2: Yeah, bricks and clicks. Yeah. Because increasingly, it's going to be become more and more unacceptable for that van to come down your street three or four times a day and for you to return you know, a whole lot of goods. So more and more retailers are going to start to charge you for returns. That's why you'll be encouraged to click and collect and click and return. Now you don't want to slog into a very large uh, regional shopping center in order to return goods. You have to pay, you know, park or go to your town center and pay for parking. The Great thing about retail warehouse parks, lots of parking, lots of space, very easy. And it's, so we think it's, they're going to become a really fundamental part of, of that click and collect and click and return uh, culture. At the same time, rents are low uh, relative to, uh, to, to, to shopping centers. And very importantly, you've got almost no service charge. Remember, in your covered shopping mall, it's got to be lit, it's got to be heated, it's got to be cooled. Someone's got to pay for the, you know, you've got to pay your service charge to cover your loos, security, merchandise, marketing, etc. Whereas in these retail parks, you, you have, you know, your rent is your rent, you pay your rates. There's virtually no, uh, no service charge. Okay. And while we're talking about kind
1: of more specialist uh, property funds, um, I know you probably don't hold them, um, but the social housing real estate investment trusts have been uh, making all the wrong headlines uh recently. Um home REITs in particular, um, shares currently suspended after the results were delayed because of the allegations by a, a short seller. Um but it follows you know difficult time for um Civitas social housing and triple point social housing which do slightly different thing to home but they're, they're kind of grouped together aren't they?
2: They they are and I'm often asked by investors why I why I've never owned these uh these companies did you see these problems? Uh, coming well, what we, what we saw was a concern ultimately with who the covenants were um, we could see the, the you know on the face of it these long leases uh, for these properties for, for real estate that's that's has a really strong social uh, function and is absolutely required by when you society. say
1: covenants you're talking about the tenants yes yeah, sorry the
2: tenant the, the quality of the of the of the te- the underlying tenants um, uh, the, the 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 you know the operators uh, essentially um, of these homes and we just felt that often the funding source just wasn't strong enough now as it turned out on top of that there's clearly been an issue on valuation of these assets as they were acquired uh, by by the reit um, and many questions about corporate governance on on top of that. So you know, we, we looked at it very much on, a, on the, uh, a problem at the fundamental level. But of course, it's transpired that there's been you know uh, you know man, many other issues on top of that. Now that's very disappointing for um, investors in those companies. Um, but when we look at you know, it's helpful for the industry to be able to see uh, how important governance is. And and at TR Property Investment Trust. You know, we're very, very strong on on, on governance, and I have a lot of engagement with companies. To be honest, we're a big fish in a small pond. We own material holdings in lots and lots of companies, and we engage um, not only with management, but also with boards um, on everything from remuneration, uh, audit, um, ESG uh, profiling, etc. So, you know, we, we would, you know, we, 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 uh, we're very careful to make sure that we avoid um, companies, unfortunately, such as HomeWeek.
1: Do you think there was an element of investors sort of, um, you know, knowing that these funds were sort of doing a social good, you know, like providing homeless shelters in the case of home, that they were in, in their rush to support something like that and tick an ESG box, perhaps, that um, they weren't doing all the diligence they could have done?
2: I'm afraid uh, Gavin that's almost certainly the case. Uh absolutely and we we are you know it was a you know home were able to raise capital um at least a couple of times after IPO uh and you know I think yeah I think absolutely it was it was it, tapping into a uh, into a current zeitgeist and it just reminds us all that uh, absolutely we need to we we want to support businesses that are uh that that have a social good but underneath it all you must you must first and foremost Um, be sure that the businesses are sound.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, sounder investments are the UK, perhaps, are the UK generalist real estate investment trusts, um, which you've got two, uh, at least, in in your uh, portfolio. There's CT Property, which is at uh, Columbia Threadneedle, which is where um, you work nowadays. There's been a few acquisitions along the way, but you are now a part of the Columbia Threadneedle Group, um, and you hold uh, CT Property. And another trust called Picton Property income, so they, I call these generalists. They're investing in all the different property subsectors uh, rather than specialising in in one. What's, yes, what's what's so attractive about them?
2: Yes, I mean, I, for for many years, well, I've been running uh, TR Property uh, since 2011, and, and I've actually been involved uh, in, in the trust since, since uh, 1997. So I've just gone through 25 years. We've generally over that period always focused on specialised businesses, um, but there is a moment in the sun always for a diversified play, particularly as um, uh, as you see, you know. Um, the most popular sectors are uh, seeing pricing re- adjustments, et cetera, sometimes it's it's worth moving to a diversified uh, portfolio. What I like about these businesses, uh, essentially, is that in case, of, particularly in the case of Picton, very, very sound management, very, very careful uh, use of, of, of leverage. Chief exec has been longstanding, done a very, very good job, and I'm you know, very encouraged by that. In the case of CT property, uh, I wasn't allowed to buy, um, uh, or, or uh, uh, effectively, funds that were managed by the same management house uh, until uh, a couple of years ago. Um, There's strict Chinese walls. I, I treat the management of CTPT uh, exactly like any other company. We sit physically in a, in a, in a different building. Um, there is there is no conflict there. Um, and I just felt that uh, you know we, we've got to know the portfolio well. Um, and you know the, this this trust is trading on a thirty discount. It has very low leverage. It made an excellent sale of its of, of a large prime asset uh, in 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 Berkeley Street in 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 the West End of London, um, and is very much uh, set fair. But you know, I, I do feel that it, it is one of those um, many um, uh, little companies out there that would very much uh, benefit from um, from being part of a, a, a bigger business. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll wait and see. But I think these diversified names—it's really been about valuation um, rather than necessarily uh, you, you know me feeling that I, I want to focus on diversified. That's just it's just a moment in time where they look. Very, very good value.
1: The assets are good, and they're trading on a very cheap share price. Okay. Um, well, last question, sort of broaden out a bit. Good, uh, go to the level of quick look at politics because um, the, the mini budget um, back in uh, October, September, September um, damaged the UK's credibility, uh, financial credibility, and it caused this big sell-off in government bonds that then you know impacted the real estate uh, investment trust sector. So, I'm just wondering, you know, have Chancellor Jeremy Hunt and uh, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak have they repaired some of that damage, do you think? And, and uh, have you got any hopes for the budget uh, in March?
2: Yeah, well, so I think that the first point to make is absolutely. Uh, we want a technocrat uh, um, in charge. Um, and that is what we've got and that's great and we've certainly seen you know, the markets taking a lot of comfort from that um, and increasing stability uh, in, um, uh, in gilt rates, etc. I think it's important to remind um, uh, listeners uh, that TR Props is a fully pan-European vehicle. We actually, in terms of, our, in terms of actual assets, we have more than 50% of our it's assets It's true, we haven't talked a, about a, Europe a, all that a, much but across <laughs> Europe yeah. than the UK. It doesn't mean that the UK isn't very important. I'm actually long the UK relative to the benchmarks. So I'm clearly positive about this. Do I think that the, 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 the budget, um, what, what can we hope for? I think that one of the key points which we've already seen um, is the change in business rates. Um, and that, and, and the moving, uh, speeding up of transitional relief, so that's helping um, subsectors like retail, where rents have fallen so fast, and push a bit more of the burden back onto, uh, on, on the, onto those parts of the uh, of the property world where rents have risen very quickly. So logistics, warehousing, etc. So there is a bit of a, a bit of rebalancing. All that we can really hope for from 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 a real estate perspective uh, in the budget is a bit more a bit more stability, um, and uh, you know, of course, you know, further leveling up. You know, would would help. Although I hasten to add that we, you know, we find it quite hard to get access to regional property um, beyond outside of logistics um, and multi let industrial, and we're not that keen to own offices in regional centres. Partly because rents are, are so much lower per foot, and when you have to spend a lot of money, it costs the same to put new air conditioning and new double glazing, etc., in your building, whether it's in uh, whether it's in Berkeley Square, uh, Boreham Wood or or or, or Bradford. Right, looking for a bit, casting around for bees there. <laughs> yeah, cast, I'm terrible, yes. <laughs> too early in the morning.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. Well, listen, Marcus, thanks very much. That's very interesting. Uh, that's all we've got time for. But yeah, no, thanks for um, showing us that perhaps um, yeah, all is not as bad in commercial property as uh, last year's performance might have suggested. And that uh, uh, if the recession isn't too bad, perhaps the, the sector will be pulling through uh, in due course. We, we shall see. But
0: thanks very
2: much. Thank you, Gavin.
0: Scottish Mortgage seeks out lateral thinkers like academics, authors and experts in the industry to shape our investment ideas, not the usual suspects and narrow mindset of financial analysts and investment industry commentators. That way, we continue to build a portfolio that reflects real-world progress, not financial world noise. Scottish Mortgage is managed by Bailey Gifford. A key information document is available by visiting baileygifford.com. As with any investment, capital is at risk.